Hey, a pleasant good day, everybody. Welcome into the next edition of the Overtime Heroics Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Joe, joined by the wonderful Frederick, yet again coming at you from the great country of Denmark after his team swept in the Danish playoffs, so he's very happy and jolly right now. So how you doing, Frederick? Um, as you mentioned, very good. Uh, whenever you get a sweep in the playoff, it's always nice, and again, despite my hair's growing great throughout the series because it was it's much more nothing. It was not comfortable at all. Um, it's it's nice to be in the next round. Yeah, well, like you said, you haven't seen the playoffs in a year, so uh, comfortability is not really going to be a thing when now all of a sudden you're having a flood of playoff emotions hit you that you haven't had in more than over a year when you're used to having that in about, I don't know, like an eight-month-at-a-time stretch of being ready for the playoffs each calendar year. You were really fueled and probably ready to go to see some playoffs. Yeah, exactly. It was like, it's again, last year, it was like right before the playoff. Everyone was hyped for it. Allpok was looking great. We were the favorites to win it all, and COVID hit. It's like, okay, so that was very anticlimactic. Then we have another regular season. It feels like an endless one because there was no fans in the building. Now the playoff is here. And I was going to the first game. I had I have not been as nervous for a hockey game in probably five years. Like it's five years since I probably was as nervous as I was for that game. And it just it it was so weird to just go into that game. Like from almost the time I woke up to the game was over. I could not sit still. That's that's rare, but it, again, it's the best feeling and the best time, and I'm so excited for, for that, but also for the NHL playoffs to start. Yeah, yeah, the NHL playoffs is the most wonderful. Um, I know most people think that is Christmas. That's a lie. Uh, it's actually the NHL playoffs is the most wonderful time of the year. Um, so, uh, you know, that's a hot take, but uh, I'll stand by it. Um but, yeah, I agree. The NHL playoffs are very big. You never know. In any sports playoffs, really, but, I mean, like, look at my Flyers team when they made their run to the Stanley Cup um, back at the beginning of the decade. Uh, they were the eighth seed, the worst-ranked team in the playoffs, and then had Michael Layden and Brian Boucher in the twilight of his career. Layden, who was an AHL journeyman, be the two goalies of all people to uh, carry them to the Stanley Cup uh, with a very solid put-together defense, by the way, I will say. So uh, you never know when a team gets to the playoffs uh, what they're going to be able to do and how far they're going to get. Uh, the Blues run, even after how good they did in the second half, uh, I don't know if you would have still picked them to win the Stanley Cup going into that playoffs. It probably were other teams you could have picked. I had them going out in the first round to the Jets. Um, so, no. No, that that bracket was. I think I hit on one thing, and that was the Bruins winning in Game Seven over the Leaf, which everyone could have told me would happen because that always happens. That was the one thing. Everything else was wrong. Yeah, no, yeah, that's how it is. The playoffs are hard to pick, and it's great. That's the action, so unpredictable and so lively, and. Uh, invigorating in the playoffs is usually a lot more old school physicality type style because teams really bring it in the playoffs there's less there's usually more let go via the referee crews in the playoffs as well for whatever reason which is nice to see so that's always the best style of hockey playoff hockey not that regular season hockey isn't uh sexy enough in itself it's just uh playoff hockey's like a 10 where regular season is an 8.5 let's go with that Playoff hockey is a different so, sport. Playoff hockey is a different yeah, play, sport. Hockey is great, exactly. but the best thing is playoff hockey. There's nothing exactly. else like Exactly. So, um, as we're talking about the playoffs now, we're getting into some moves that teams made to try to lock up either their playoff futures for their teams to have depth uh, or potentially their current uh, one is the avalanche to get more goalie depth due to the unknown of a uh, when Francois is going to be able to fully come back and we wish him well and good health as soon as possible. Uh, Frederick and I were talking about him before the podcast, had a very great rookie start to his career and then went down with an injury, the check netminder. So hopefully he gets back, but they picked up Jonas Johansson for just a six round pick. Um, and he said, quote, first, I was really excited. It's been tough 24 hours for me with the travel and getting everything together. 
but I am really pumped up, really excited about coming here and being with this good organization. Um, I don't know about you, Frederick, but I think this is a wonderful opportunity for the 25-year-old netminder Johansson because he's going to a great defensive-minded uh, Avalanche team after being on the exact opposite uh, in Buffalo. Oh, for sure. Uh, for me, I have just seen uh, Minnesota get absolutely destroyed by the Avalanche twice. Uh, Minnesota is not a bad team. They're doing good, but the Avalanche... Oh my word, when they play, they are looking like the best team in the league. This is an amazing team. And yes, group hours, I don't think there's any denying that. But the second spot, especially with group hours injury history, it's, it's a place where you will get some chances. Absolutely. Um, I, think you, I think the Avs are smart enough to play group hour, rest group hour when they can for the playoff. Uh, so I think he will get some chances to prove himself, and I could see him do really well in um, Colorado. Again, great defense with Bowen Byram, um, and, and like Bowen Byram, Cal McCarr. This goes on with that defense. It's silly. It's actually a silly defense. It's a silly team, but and it's a great team. So he goes basically from the worst team, Buffalo, who I don't know if they have heard of defending half the time to a team that is an actual brick wall to find play against. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, he's definitely in a much better position for himself. And watching him uh, as Frederick, and I think Luke knows at this point, uh, I'm in love, like I told Frederick talking about this video before, I could have a whole podcast just talking about goaltenders for the AHL and NHL, let alone uh, other leagues that we don't have to get into at this current moment. Um, so I think Johansson at 6'5", I mean, the kid was drafted in the fourth round for a reason. They thought uh, the kid coming out of Sweden could be developed into something uh, when Buffalo picked him. It didn't work out for them in terms of the NHL level. He obviously showed promise at the AHL level to get his shot at the NHL level. Um but I think um, he's going to work out, honestly, personally, myself, and not, not as a starter. I don't think he's ever going to become a full-blown starter. But as a backup, I think he'll work out because he showed signs last year. His save percentage wasn't sexy, but his goals against was a 2-9-4 in six games when he was less exposed or being exposed uh, – playing an extra game this year, but with the, even a lesser performing defense, the numbers went down even more this year. He's been really hung out to dry even more than last year. I think uh, him improving on his last year numbers is more to me where Jonas Johansson is at rather than how his numbers look really struggle bunny this year, which I think really just attributes to the Buffalo Sabres just being a team that know they're down and out. And uh, they just were not really playing for anybody at that point, whether Carter Hutton was in net or Johansson. And then even early on with Olmark, uh, they were kind of playing for him, but he was just saving the behinds. And then he got injured, and that's when all went downhill. So. I'm, I'm just like looking at the at the the, the Sabres. It's it's honestly kind of sad to see what what that team turned into. It's. They got Rasmus Dahlin, who is a fine player, but oh my word. Else, Rasmus Dahlin. He might end up getting moved, uh, one of those two, uh, and not Dahlin. Ristolainen might end up as a righty getting moved since they never could fully figure him out. And there's a lot of teams that need a right-handed kind of just defensive physical defenseman. So. Yeah, it's, it's just it, the team. It's, it's honestly, I've seen some of the games. I don't know if you watched the... Buffalo versus the Washington Capitals game. I think that might be one of the... It wasn't even bad defense. It was just non-caring defense. And that's worse. Like, they didn't try. They didn't care. They just let Ovechkin do his thing and just yeah. play his part. And there was, like, multiple situations where all five players were in the exact same side of the ice. It's like, what happened? Like, I agree. That's why I told you before the pod, I think it's hard to judge a goaltender who plays in Buffalo because you have to just look at seeing signs from his past play 
and when he's really kind of stood on his head because you're not going to have a good defensive game 9 out of 10 from the Sabres this season or last season when he put up a bit better numbers. That's why I think um, if you look at uh, him playing in Colorado uh, and their defense, uh, I think he's going to definitely perform much better because you have Gerard, Taze, Graves, Connor Timmons, Byram, McCarr, and then um, others that um, really fit in very well. Eric Johnson, when he's back and healthy, he's been having injury issues in his career, is obviously a good veteran captain. And then um, you have different guys in the minors when it comes to defense as well. Um, and Dennis Gilbert that I believe has a couple uh, NHL games under his belt. So they've always had depth there. Um I think this team is definitely in a great position for him to have success because their defensive numbers are the exact opposite of uh, Buffalo's, their top tier of the league, where Buffalo is right in doo-doo land at the bottom tier of the league. Oh, for sure. uh, I've always said this, and I will always say this, the worst statistic for a goaltender to judge it by is by goals against average. And by save percentage. That's not a goal center stat. That's a team stat. And I will say that knowing full well that in my latest article for the site, I have absolutely used those stats to justify something. Uh, but because it's always such a simple stat to look at. But it's a team stat. It shows that the team helped the goalie and the net might be good. It just, there's just not a justification for, oh, he let in this many goals. Well, if you have 10 breakaway and he saved I would say he has played a good game. Like, just that. No, that's true. Yeah. No, I agree. I think um, sometimes looking at that, you have to look at overall what the goalie's able to do. Like, I would say if you look at the surface numbers of Jonathan Quick this year watching, other than like a four or five handful of games, I actually have it on in the background right now. Um, I've watched most of the Kings games this year. Um, Quick's a guy that Pedersen's played great, but Quick's played good in my eyes. And if you look at his surface numbers, it doesn't look like he's played that good. And that's just because more so when Quick's in, for some reason, you have those lax plays. And also some of the games he played – at this point of his career, he's not really a stand-on-your-head goalie anymore, was when the defense was weakened. So now that everyone's back, I think you're seeing his numbers go up anyway, but his numbers are a perfect example of someone like you just said, don't tell the full story, where if you look at his games, he has, I think, two shutouts now this season. Uh, One was on his birthday. Uh, He's actually playing pretty damn well and kind of playing like Elliott did for the Flyers last year, which is just making the saves he has to make. And uh, making sure you can give your starting goalie rest. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But um, I think now we can move on. Uh, We have other news in the league after uh, Jonas Johansson getting traded uh, from the Sabres to the Avalanche, as we just discussed. We saw that Trevor Van Riemsdyk signed a two-year, $1.9 million bucks. extension with the Washington Capitals, which I actually found interesting because TVR, um, when you looked at him with the Capitals, uh, played, I was watching the one game, and uh, he only played 50 seconds in the one game, and then like a minute in the other game, where uh, they were talking about that in the Rangers-Caps game on Friday on the telecast. And I was like, oh, that's interesting that he wants to resign with a team like that. But I guess it's because maybe a coach, a veteran like Lavi's instilling confidence in him over time and just kind of is having him work on a bunch of stuff in practice would be maybe my guess. And they still believe he's going to be something in the future because you wouldn't give him a contract uh, otherwise. And the kid, obviously, uh, he is still pretty young. Uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk's, uh Well, he's 29, but he's an undrafted kid. So in terms of undrafted kids, usually you see those guys, depending on the kids, some of those guys will hit it more in their late 20s. Uh, He's young in terms of games played uh, in the league still. I want to say he's under uh, 400 uh, 
373 games played, and that's because he overplayed. They overplayed him in uh, Chicago when he first came up and wasn't even fully ready for the NHL yet. And then Carolina developed him into the good defenseman he's become. So I think he's earned this contract, honestly, Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Obviously, I'm a fan of the Van Riemsdyk. James been on the Flyers two times um, and is the saving grace of our team this year, along with Joel Fairby. Uh, so... I think he's earned this contract from his play with Carolina and now seemingly being that great locker room guy. But what do you think about Trevor Van Riemsdyk and the fact that he hasn't played a lot of minutes for the Caps yet, but obviously they really like the kid, uh, the 29-year-old now Van Riemsdyk, since they gave him a two-year uh, deal. Um, TVR has always been a player that, for me, is a good defensive, reliable third-pair guy. Like, he's... He's not the guy who's gonna gonna light up the the room and make everything uh, fantastic. No, he's just a good player to have on the back end. Who's just he makes a smart play. I think he's very very good puck mover. Uh, I think that's one of his major major qualities is his ability to actually move the puck uh, from defense to offense. He doesn't create that much, but I think he's he has a decent vision and. Again, for, for, I understand why the contract is there. Um, first of all, Washington has to figure out what they're going to do next next season. Because surely you resign with Alexander Ovechkin no matter what he wants. Pretty much. Like, that's a given. You resign with Ovechkin. I don't think he takes too much of a pay cut. I think he might take, like, maybe $7 million if lucky. For, like, a few seasons. Like, four seasons. That could be a thing for Ovechkin. And then you have to sign Jakob Rana. That's gonna be exp- that's not gonna be too cheap. Um so and you have to sign um Sam Silvers, which is your new starting goalie. I don't think this is gonna be cheap. I think you have to try and finagle. So I think having a guy who's only a million per year, a little less than a million actually, uh per, for the next few seasons, yeah, that's that's a smart player to have. That's a good, reliable player to have on your team. And they decent presence that you can bring into the depths on the back end, especially because I don't know if Chow is going to play next year, but if not, that's a new spot that needs to be filled. TBR can absolutely do that. So I think, I think it's a smart move. Yeah, I think it's a smart move for a lot of the things you mentioned, too. One, if Chara retires, you have a guy you can plug in and know is kind of a good, reliable guy. I think because of what you brought up, they have guys in Vrana and Ovechkin they have to resign, So they might look to move the last year of uh, Justin Schultz's contract for $4 million maybe, rather than uh, maybe not being able to re-sign him after the 2021-22 season anyway and not getting anything for him. They're trying to get something for him. Uh, so they could look to do that, and then they have PVR there to replace him if Char doesn't retire and plays till he's actually 45 um, and has one more season in it. So there's different options there. I think it just gave them a lot more flexibility. He's always been a steady defenseman. He was solid, obviously, in Chicago. I was just surprised when he first came up. They played him for a full 82 games. And then uh, I thought he was kind of overtaxed when he wasn't even. I thought he was still raw at that time watching him uh, back then, but uh, good for him to be able to really make it now. And as an undrafted defenseman, uh, work his tail off to now get almost a million dollar, 950 value, uh, two year deal, uh, being on one of the more competitive teams in the, uh, NHL. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to say on Trevor Van Riemsdyk? Um, the only thing is that even though they signed him, it might, and this is going to sound weird, it might be something that is something that I would say a team like Seattle would they not try and pounce on that for dra- for expansion draft? Like if you look at Washington, who they have available, I just did it. Like Carl Hacklin, maybe uh, Richard Panic, possibly. Like there's a few players there, but like then you go into like the defense where I would say they either go uh, Kempney or they go Trevor Van Reed's like. Uh, and then, obviously, I think the biggest one for Washington and the one they're probably going to go for is they're either going to get Ilya Samsonov or they have to put in Vitek Vanacek. It's like, I think they would take a goal from Washington, but if they are going for a defenseman, Trevor and Reed might be very appealing. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, it depends how many defensemen, because I feel like uh, teams that have a deep defense core like uh, Carolina and some others are not going to be able to protect everybody. There's going to be a decent amount of defensemen potentially, so it'll be interesting to see if uh, it would come down to them wanting TVR if you would have more of the um, <clears throat> trying to think of guys the, in the expansion draft podcast is gonna be fun the yeah like draft, the, pre and post expansion draft podcast that's gonna be fun and very very chaotic because yeah god i i love the fact that they, what they done with the expansion draft i also hate it as a minnesota wild fan but i absolutely love how they're doing it because i think it's the right way to do but man, it's a, yeah, because you can take seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goaltender uh, for protecting, or eight skaters, a forward, a defense, and a goaltender. So I feel like um, if the one that a lot of people do, which is the uh, seven, three, and one, uh, some do the eight and uh, eight and uh, one, uh, where it could be whatever combination of forwards the defense but i think uh you're right i think washington that he might end up getting picked up but maybe justin schultz is someone for seattle that they would look to get assets from seattle like teams did with vegas to move on from guys that have the last year of their contract so maybe that's the team they would look to say like i said maybe they move schultz maybe they'll look to do that to seattle and then they'll keep a guy that's a year younger and trevor van Riemsdyk for a much cheaper cap hit so they have a oh, yeah. play with with resigning Brana and Ovechkin, like he brought up. Yeah, it, exactly. It's just gonna be interesting what happens. But yeah, I think Trevor means like if he stays in, I think he could stay long and stay as a good third pair guy. Um, if not, it will be a second time he, he's taken in the draft. That'll be the second time he's done that. So that could also be a story himself. Yeah, uh, that's a good point, but. Uh... Now, when it comes to the roster moves and the league news, when it comes to signees, uh, we can move on to our last guy. And that is one of my favorite uh, defensemen uh, in the league to watch. Matt Roy getting a very good team deal of three years, uh, 9.45 total for L.A.'s defenseman, Matt Roy. Um, so that will bring him to a 3.15 cap hit. And this guy, if you look at some of his Corsi and defensive analytics numbers, was ranked top seven in the league. Uh, so obviously that's a steal if he keeps progressing the way he is. But I can talk for six hours about Matt Roy, so I'll let you talk about him first. What do you think about Matt Roy? I I love I love Matt Roy. I think he's a great – he's just a really, really smart player. Like – he is not the biggest, but he plays a lot bigger than I think he is. Um, and he, again, he is, his numbers are good. His course is good. I think he uh, he's an incredibly good player. And I'm quite shocked that LA got to lock him down that cheaply. Again, that's a really team-friendly deal. Um, it's not the longest. It is a kind of bridge deal. But at the same time, it's three years more him. And for well, three million... Yeah, that that's a great deal for Matt Roy. I think um, I think there's a lot of teams that need that exactly needs what Matt Roy gives you, a solid defensive first mind with the ability to to just show up the defense um, and then al- allow your forwards to do the work. I think he is going to be valuable, especially with the future that LA has coming up with Kevin Byfield. Same with Fakamo. They have yeah. a lot of good players coming up. So I think he's Matt also an underrated passer. Like he's a oh. defensive minded first guy, but he's not going to get you a bunch of assists. He has seven this year for all of his points. But he's not a guy like Adam Larson that's going to be great on defense, get the puck for you, and then not know what the hell to do with it, which is the oh, only sure. reason the guy uh, below to league average defenseman. Adam Larson honestly has the ability to be a great defenseman if he could just do something with the damn puck once he actually got the damn thing. Um, yeah, where yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's the thing of yeah, it's the thing of it's the thing of where you where you basically ha- it's like a dog that chases the ball that like he's like Adam Larson is great at chasing the ball, getting to the ball, but when you finally get the ball, you don't have you you haven't got a clue what to do with it. 
And that's, exactly. that's one of the great skills of that boy. He is a phenomenal quarterback. Uh, he, if I think he still have a few more layers to his game. I think he is going to develop into more and more of a defensive style quarterback who springs people on more breakaways, especially when the Kings is going to be a little bit more fast. Um, all respect to to uh, Dustin Brown, but and Kobe's up, but um, they aren't the fastest guy anymore. Guys anymore. Yeah. They aren't that speedy guy who just springs up the middle and gets you a breakaway goal. I think he's going to get a lot more assists when, when the LA Kings are going to have that future settled. Yeah. I mean, last year he finished high teens in points in 70 games at 18, so he showed he has the ability to pass. He's not going to do anything flashy in offense. He's a great defensive guy that does everything you want to have done on the ice right, does all the small things that don't go unnoticed or – don't go unnoticed too many times, I meant to say. But when you really are watching the game and seeing it, you go, yeah, this team, you notice the difference. When he was out this season, there was a big difference in the effectiveness of the Kings' defense compared to every game he's been in for the 24 he's been in this season. So that's all I have to say about how much his value is to the Kings. And, hell, I think the reason why he took the contract, to kind of answer your question there of being – uh, team friendly might be the Kings have seen to form a pretty good culture when it comes to um, having Rob Blake and kind of bringing in, especially when it comes to giving defensemen like look at Sean Walker, who they have, who they've also developed into a good solid defenseman that they gave a team friendly deal to at 2.65, uh, who was undrafted that they developed um, with Roy. He was a seventh round pick. You knew he was going to get more than him. He got the 3.15. I think it's loyalty because you gave an undrafted guy a chance, and now because of your coaching and him working his tail off with your staff, Walker became a very good, now uh, probably getting paid undervalued, uh, 2.65 guy, and that's what this Roy 3.15 contract is going to become. He's going to be getting paid less um than uh, what he's actually worth by the end of that deal, just like Walker almost already is on his deal. The Kings have become very good at making defensemen very loyal to their team just because of their culture and uh, working so well with them when they come up. I don't know if you agree with that, but I feel like Mikey Anderson, who's played a lot on their first line, maybe is getting overused because he might at 21 playing all the time with Dowdy, but Drew Dowdy loves the kid. And they said, uh, commented on the fact that they take so much pride being one of the best uh, lines at not allowing goals. But uh, I don't know what you think about that. I just think Matt Roy with the Kings, um, they just found a way to be able to really nurture defensemen with the best of them. And Roy's another prime example of the loyalty that you get from being able to do that. Oh, for sure. And it, it is exactly that. And you just look at this team, you just look at that defense. Almost, I would say, and this is going to be very controversial considering everyone apparently has them in the Norris talk, I think Dowdy is the worst defenseman on that team. I definitely do. Like, they have so many good players that play really smart defensive hockey. Drew Dowdy is a forward half the time, and it's like, I... We just sort of played them a few times, so I've seen a lot of the LA Kings. I think he makes some really weird decisions on defense, and he has been... So damn uh, bad, especially at covering Caprizov, which, okay, that's Caprizov, he's quite good, but he has made a lot of mistakes where I've been like, ugh, is that, is that really Norris? Yeah, I mean, I feel Dowdy, Dowdy hasn't been that bad this year, though. He's made some of the mistakes, and then the youngster Anderson, who chips in on offense, but is more of a chemo and body type guy that does all the small things. Is never going to hit the level of team in him, but has the same build at 5'11". Kind of does all the little things you want on defense. So he'll step up and make the play at times. That's why they work so well. But I think this year, for me, um, I, in past years, I would agree with that take more because Drew Downey, um, when watching the Kings um, sometimes last year, would annoy me a hell of a lot more than this year. This year, that line like I was saying, has been graded pretty highly in terms of goals allowed and limiting uh, their goals um, from the other team. So I think this year he'll make the mistakes. They're just not as uh, flashing as they were last year. Where, oh, yeah. Um, guys that have done that this year have at times been uh, 
Ole Mata or the young uh, Sean Walker, who's still developing. But I think that's because he's also paired with Ole Mata, who, in my opinion, if I had to pick somebody, I like this kid, but he just never fully developed in what I think the Penguins thought he could be and has been inconsistent for the Kings. Their most inconsistent defenseman, I don't want to say worse because I don't think he's played terribly, would be Ole Mata. Um, Yeah. That would be, to me, their most inconsistent guy. Um, But we can, if you want, unless if you have anything else to talk about that, move on since that was all of our news. Oh, yeah. I have have one one random thing. Go ahead. uh, It's completely sidetracked from any defensive talks that we've talked about, Matt Roy or anything. I just looked at the prospect that the LA Kings have coming up on the forward side. It's I'm just going to list you the name. Alex Turcock. Arthur Kaliev, Tyler Madden, Quinton Byfield, Lisa Anderson, Samuel Fuck. <laughs> what is this? They also have Rasmus Kupari because yeah, he's Rasmus Kupari, yeah. Probably missed him. Yeah. Neil Thomas, Golden Gold score. Like, what is this team? What happened? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's silly. I'm so happy. No, they, uh, they got a very good future and they got some more. If you want to talk, they got more defensemen too. They got Dursey in the trade with oh. Toronto, Cal oh, yes. Clegg, and uh, Jacob Morverari seems like as the 112th pick uh, drafted in the fourth round of 2016, seems like he could be their next middle round pick that they develop. He seems to be trending in that direction. So, yeah, they, they definitely know how to pick them. That's why uh, I brought up the point of uh, Rob Blake. Uh, they've just done good at building a culture there and having people that want to come into that organization, even when they're kind of in a middle ground period of being competitive, but not fully there yet, they still seem to be one of those organizations that you want to get drafted to. Oh, yeah. It, it's also one of the things that uh, like I'm thinking now, oh, my word, I am happy Minnesota is uh, probably not going to stay with the Kings. Um, uh I, I don't think the division is going to be like this for a long time. I think they are, and hopefully next season, maybe they're driving him next season. But after that, I think we're going back to the normal-ish divisions. Um, like, I'm happy I'm not going to stay with the Kings uh, in the same division because, good lord, they're going to be scary. That, that is dangerous. Like, two yeah, I mean, years, they got they're so much depth. Yeah, and they got so much depth, they can trade for pretty much anybody because of how much forwards. If you traded two of them, you still got about six guys left. The pretty much how the Padres were in baseball, where they still have like eight top prospects after trading a bunch of people for different people. That's yeah. pretty much how the Kings would be if they started trading. You You would look at the hockey news or any other prospect report, and they would still have like seven top prospects, even though they traded five different people. And you're just like, excuse me? Uh, so... Um, it, it just goes to show. Uh, and the big thing about the Kings, to strike more fear in people, they draft well throughout, like I said. Obviously, we touted some of their late-round uh, successes. Undrafted Sean Walker, Matt Roy in the late round, and more Verari as a developing guy. Um, you have a second, two second-round picks, two-thirds, and two-fourths to either play around with in the trade market or use in this year's draft for the Kings to go along with their first. The only pick they don't have is a se- seventh. So they're set up pretty pretty for Blake to have another good draft and keep adding to that very good prospect pool that you just touted. Um, but that's enough uh, talk. We ended up going in depth, which is nice. So we gave you some in-depth talk on all the teams of the people that there was news on um, to really go in depth for that. So I hope you all enjoyed that but i think we covered all that well and uh beat it to a dead horse as they would say um so we can move on now to the standings and um talking about teams that seem like our playoff contenders right now frederick if you're ready for that yeah absolutely uh if you want the my playoff contenders like i don't know if you want cup contenders or if you want uh like well i was just going to talk about um the teams that are right now top four in each division do it that way and talk about uh, teams on the bubble if we think these four are going to stay. If so, why? Oh. And then um, go from there. Um, I think you'll see what I mean uh, 
as I get going and ask you the questions, because you're going to do probably more of the talking and then I'll piggyback off of what you say. You'll be the Elliot Friedman analyst. Uh, I'll, I'll try this. to be the Danish Elliot Friedman. Um, that, yeah. Funny. So uh, and then I'll go and comment off of because I'm going to give these questions uh, to you. But as we recap what we talked about at the beginning, we talked about uh, Johansson moving from the Sabres in net to now playing for the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Terrible defense to one of the league's best defense, so congratulations to him. I think he has chance of being successful backup or third string or whatever he becomes there and eventually becoming a backup. Um, we also talked about TVR re-signing for two years. Congratulations to him with the Capitals. And Matt Roy re-signing for three years and then went in-depth in some talk about the Capitals as well as the Kings. So I hope you all enjoyed that. We'll now get into the division talk and the teams that are stacking up as we quickly in this condensed season, entering the crunch time period of the season uh, for the playoffs right now. Uh, since Frederick is on, we'll first start with the uh, Scotia North division, as you have right now locked up at 42 points, the Edmonton Oilers and Toronto Maple Leafs plus 24 differential for Toronto to a plus 19 for Edmonton. And then Winnipeg and Montreal are both right now in the playoff picture as the three and four seed. Um, Frederick, the question is to you, obviously, one of your teams being Toronto. How do you feel about your Maple Leafs team and their effectiveness and ability to be able to surpass Edmonton and or Winnipeg and Montreal, who are quickly approaching uh, in the standings by the end of the season. Do you think they're still the favorite uh, in the division, or are now that's more up in the air? They're, they're still the favorites. I, I I know that people will try to say, oh, but they've been bad. Yes, they've been terrible the last stretch. They've been awful. But it, it's they are still the favorites. I will say they are the favorites to win. Again, their main issue of the season has been Unfortunately, Frederick Anderson, who just doesn't look like the same player uh, as he was last year, even like I think due to the way that he was such a workhorse during the bad cover tenure, where he was so play so well played, like he played like sixty six games for like two seasons in a row and then sixty games, it was, he was so played so well played that eventually injuries were gonna happen. Unfortunately, I think one of them he never really quite recovered from. I think he's actually out now with that injury, um, which means that now it's Jack Campbell's net. Question goes, I know Jack Campbell's a fine goalie. He absolutely is, has two shots out, good. But is he going to perform when fixed? Sir? I said I love that guy. I've always oh, loved Jack Campbell uh, from his... I loved him in LA and thought he should have got more of a chance like you brought up before the podcast. Uh, that's all I wanted to say. Uh, oh. I just love Jack Campbell, and I think if he stays healthy, he has a chance to do some things for you guys. Oh, for sure. Campbell is great, uh, but the thing is, it might win Toronto the North Division. It might win them the playoff series, the playoff rounds against the North Division. But will he be enough to win you a series against Boston? Will he be enough to win you a series against Tampa? I don't think so. I think the thing is with Jack Campbell is he's a great consistent goaltender, but the thing is he doesn't have the same top level as I think Frederick Anderson has. Frederick Anderson, when he's playing at his best, is a Vesna type goalie. Jack Campbell does not have that season. The problem has been no. That- I think Campbell has more of the Hadobin like he can kind of ride you on your back. Um, be a good guy that's been a 1B that can kind of take stride, drain Rolson, how he did that, a guy that was with one of your teams in Minnesota earlier that that I mentioned before the podcast to you. Like one of those guys that has always been good, but then at times just all of a sudden takes a torch for two to three seasons of his career and really helps a team. And I feel like Campbell might be able to be that guy that's a journeyman goalie that's always good and consistent. Like you said, that just this could be that year because you have the best defense you had. Bringing in Muzzin was a wonderful decision by Toronto to be that veteran that blends everybody together like a fine wine, basically, in the defense. 
Um, so their defense works the best it has in years going with the offense. Oh, I would still call Toronto more of a running gun team, but your defense definitely plays better than it has in the last three years of this season. It's been by far the best in front of their goaltenders where Freddie has kind of hurt himself a little bit recently over committing. And uh, it's been sad to watch him play through injury, but also struggle a little bit recently. But it's been fun to see Campbell ascend. I mean, you're seeing finally with this guy getting opportunity. They love him in Toronto. They talked about it on the broadcast I was watching the other day. They said the guys play for this guy like no other because he's a joy in the locker room. He's a guy similarly to Mike Smith and uh, Brian Elliott that the Flyers have, Moose, that are some of the better motivators. Like there are guys that um, some are some of them are more quiet motivators. Uh, others like Campbell can be a combination of both. Uh, that it really gets energized and brings a lot of energy to the locker room, but also can really calm down the play with the way that he plays on the ice. So I think he's a perfect goalie. The only thing I've ever questioned with him was his health. I've always liked his skill. I just hope he can stay healthy and he doesn't have a Michael Neuvirth career path where you always liked his skill and he could just never stay healthy because that would be a darn shame. Yeah, that and that's the thing. I... I've always been like, the thing is, in playoff, things just get rougher. Things just get harder, and it just gets more tough on the body. And I fear that Jack Campbell is, he's a great goalie. He's a great guy. But things also going his way right now. What does he do when things start to dip? Because, again, every goalie at some point has a dipping goal. I don't think Jack Campbell is a good enough goalie. I think he's a great goalie. I don't think he's a good enough goalie to win Stanley Cup to the Maple Leaf. And they need that. I think... Yeah, it all depends. Because because wouldn't you agree sometimes getting to the Cup? uh, Yeah, you have to have a good goaltender, obviously. But if you have a team that works well together, you just have to have that goaltender that works well with your team sometimes. Like, Antti when he got to the Cup, it's not like he was one of the sexiest-looking goaltenders in the history of the game. He just played with a good defense and played a decently uh, sound game. Uh, Hobby Bullen was kind of the same way. Neither of those two were some of the best-looking goaltenders consistently, but they just got it done. I feel like Campbell uh, has a chance to be that guy. That's why I'm saying I think Toronto might be good because they finally – focused in on getting guys like Muzzin and TJ Brody that really solidify your defense to have with the young guns in the defense. So I think Dubas finally got his head out of his butt and really focused on the main things he had to focus on rather than just adding more offense when you don't need offense. Oh, yeah. And again, I actually think, honestly, for Frederick Anderson, I think it's good for him to get a rest and a little bit, like, get some time that now he doesn't have to be the main guy because that's been the problem they haven't had a backup he can trust and the team can trust so he has always felt the need to always play even through injury so as a backup i would say even if jack campbell gets hurt if frederick anderson hasn't played a billion games this season comes in is fully rested gets into a game because jack campbell gets hurt in the playoff which is unfortunately like a possibility not like that's bad to say but a possibility with jack campbell's history Frederick Anderson could be the old Frederick Anderson. And if that happens, oh, the old Toronto can be scary. Like, oh, yeah. It, I mean, I think it's just you're going to ride the hot hand because Jack Campbell, uh, since coming um, back, since this year before getting injured, looked hot. He came back, had a fantastic game back. Um, I think with how he looks, with how Freddie's been struggling recently, you want to let him be fully healed, as you cited earlier, and you want to let him get a mental rest from having all the games he played due to Campbell's injury, you might as well let Campbell step up and take more of the load if that's what he's doing and performing to a high level to give Freddie that exact rest. So I agree with you fullheartedly on that for sure. It's Jack Campbell's nest to lose. That simple. Yeah. Now the next team, obviously, we have to talk about before we uh, wrap up with uh, Winnipeg and Montreal. We're actually saved. Uh, trade talk for a separate podcast is already going long on this one uh, with the news and talking about the standing. So we'll save uh, Frederick and I's long-winded, probably uh, 
great discuss trade talk we'll get into. Uh, maybe we'll do another podcast before Thursday even and put three out for you this week. And then we'll meet up with Luke again on Thursday. And then we'll say, oh, wait, you guys are just putting one out. It's like, well, you know, uh, thoughts just kept flowing. But um, yeah. anyway, uh, we got the Oilers. And the Oilers are the team at the plus 19 differential that are right behind I do agree with you. I think Toronto has the best chance to still win the division just because the Oilers' defense is obviously more suspect with uh, having a Russell, a Barry that's more of an offensive defenseman. Um, You have Jones and Bear who are both still really developing. You have a lot more veterans in Toronto. And Mike Smith, how long is this? I love what I've seen from Mike Smith and how well he's played, but how long is this great throwback to his Phoenix days, Mike Smith streak, going to last. So I feel like bringing in Staylock helped them. I think they're going to definitely come in second in my view. But I feel like just due to what we talked about when we talked about Toronto, uh, they're still favored for first. But what do you think of this Oilers team and the run they've been on? Because you guys were in a good lead only about two weeks ago. And now because of how Edmonton's played, they brought themselves back and in a very good spot. The thing with Edmonton is it's Connor McDavid. I that team is Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl playing out of their mind. And when they have goaltending, like we talked about with Mike Smith, they're gonna be be a hell of a good team. But the 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 thing is again sustainability. One more guy I would throw in that list is Nugent Hopkins, just because I think he's an underrated player. But that's yeah, the other that's team. fair. You could also put in Jesse Fulgarvi, who has played. Oh, right, the season. I think he's played well. But, 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 it, but it is just, again, it's it's such a really, really weak foundation. They are great when they're great. And I like those players are fantastic players. McDavid is the best player in the world. Uh, I'm even inclined to say uh, this must have been what it was like to watch Gretzky back in the day. Like, he is just, every time he goes on that ice, you expect from him. You expect him to be fantastic. You expect him to do something yeah. tremendous. I mean, the way McDavid plays at a high speed rivals that of Pavel Burry, or oddly enough, I didn't mean to do this, ladies and gentlemen, but another guy named Pavel. Uh, Pavel Dasuk, when he would enter the zone and just never slow down and still score, and you would just be like, how in the heck like, that's what McDavid does, where he just never... Well, Gretzky would do that, but normally Gretzky, you wouldn't see him just be bulldozed, head down, just shoot like McDavid, Burry, and Dasuk did through the zone, making moves through people like those guys did at, like, truck speed, like race truck speed. Like, it was, it's ridiculous, so I definitely agree with you on that. That's a comparison uh, as well, where Gretzky, I would definitely say, is a comparison for McDavid just because of his overall ridiculousness. By the end of his career, he might have enough goals and assists that if you take one away from be one of the points leaders, just like Gretzky. So. Yeah, it's like one of those where Gretzky played in the era where goals were literally huge. How did you show a goal, goal back then? You just shot the puck from somewhere. That, if, if that was the tactic, just shoot. Here in this day and age, goaltenders are so much more agile, so much quicker. You generally have to play your goalie out of a position to score. You can't just shoot the puck from the blue line and think it goes in. No matter how good you are, you can't just pull it up a slap shot and score. Like, it's ridiculous how good the goalies are. They weren't doing Gretzky's time, so a lot of the points is kind of inflated. But again, Gretzky... At the same at the same time, you can only play what you are up against, like at, with yeah. the players you're against. Oh, a so, player you're familiar with, yeah, a player you're familiar with in his prime before he went back overseas. Obviously, he was pretty solid when he came back, but Gabrick at his peak, obviously, was another guy that would enter the zone at ridiculous speeds and just not slow down uh, when he would score a goal. Um, so, yeah, watching guys like that, it's just ridiculous. Um, I think when we talk about Edmonton, though, one more guy we have to shout out before we move on to the Canadians and Jets is Darnell Nurse and how well he stepped up for them. He's at a plus 21 this year 
playing over 25 minutes, 25 points in 34 games, 10 goals and 15 assists as a more offensively inclined guy, but has had his best, uh, still has made mistakes, don't get me wrong, that you would like to see him uh, get better at over time, but has had his best defensive season. So it seems like he's trending in the right direction. He's a guy who would stay stepped up the most in Oscar Cliffbaum's absence, um, where you want to see a little bit more out of, um, the veteran in uh, Adam Larson, that's for sure. And then William Legeeson's also only playing as his 15th game in his next game. Has played, I think, better than they anticipated uh, having to call him up, the Swedish defenseman. Uh, probably rushed and uh, just for an emergency basis due to injuries. And then all of a sudden now uh, he's been one of their steady defensemen that all of a sudden overtook Chris Russell and is on their second line. So, uh, good for him. So, I figured uh, I would shout out how well Darnell Nurse is doing before we moved on. Did you have anything else uh, you no, want to I, say about the Edmonton Oilers? I think Darnell Nurse was a very good shout out. I think he's absolutely fantastic, and he's been the break of the blue line that they need. So, yeah, I think that's about what the Edmonton Oilers say. Uh, um, not to serve, that sounds weird, but yeah, that covers the Edmonton Oilers as well. Yeah, okay, perfect. And then we'll move on to uh, Winnipeg and the Montreal Canadiens now. And then we'll do this division and we'll do the Honda West and then Frederick. Let's actually, if you want to, we might as well, since it's getting to crunch time of the season, put out as much episodes as possible. If you want to do an episode, say, on Tuesday, maybe at some time, if you're around, we can hop back. Uh, Tuesday is, the, is my day off from school, so yeah, that works fine. Okay, perfect. Okay, we'll hop back on and we'll talk about the competitive teams in the East and the Central Division and what they will do, and then we'll give our guys that could be traded and what teams should look for at the trade deadline. That will be a podcast that I'll record with Frederick and we'll see if we can get Luke on. If not, then we'll just do it together. And then we'll release also on the same day on Tuesday. This one is obviously coming out to you at the beginning of the week on Monday. So we obviously hope you all have a great start to your week and please subscribe if you have not already. We really appreciate your support and subscribe to all the other fine work of Overtime Heroics as well but now let's move into the jets and the canadians uh i've been impressed honestly i have to say uh with the montreal canadians since ducharme came in it kind of was a scratch your head thing at first for me when julian got fired since he has run decent defensive schemes in the past and the whole thing was they want to become like the defensive team of the Canadian division where a lot of the other Edmonton, Winnipeg and Toronto exemplify running gun teams more than them. Um, they brought their goal differential up to a plus 13. And this is all through Carey Price not having one of his best seasons. That's why I also think that's more impressive rather than less impressive that the Canadians are where they're at with 37 points, two above Vancouver and at a very good differential where both Vancouver and Calgary competing uh, if it comes down to tiebreakers are at terrible goal differentials at a minus 10 for Vancouver and a minus uh, or a minus 10 for Calgary, excuse me, and a minus 12 for Vancouver. So I feel like Montreal is the best chance to be making it out of those three. Um, for me, what do you think of their team? Because Price is 10 and 5 with a 903-272 bouncing back now. But Allen was the guy that stepped up for them for the longest time. It's been an odd season of different guys stepping up for Montreal, but it's all fit together, the pieces of the puzzle. Uh, wh where do you think this team's going to go, and do you think they will secure and stay in that fourth spot or move up to the third spot and be in the playoffs? I think they've got to stay in the fourth spot. I They could even get the third spot, I think. But, but it's mainly because... I think there's three other teams in this division that completely disappointed everyone. I think Vancouver disappointed, I think Calgary disappointed, and I think Ottawa has, well, lived up to the expectations of not being very good. Uh, it's like, when you have Vancouver and Calgary, they haven't done as well as you were expecting. I was expecting them to be much better than they have been, and Montreal as well. They, I actually think they disappointed. I said before the season that it was the most balanced team on paper. It looked like the most balanced team on paper in the entire league. 
they have not shown that. Um, they they have gotten better recently. I think they've started kind of getting some of their the swagger back, but it's still so inconsistent. It's win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose one. It's like it's so difficult to gauge. I will say if they time their season correctly. And this is always a thing, especially in the short season, something I know from Denmark, especially where things are a lot more simple and we only play those 50 games. It's about timing your, your crisis well and trying to time your peak per, to perfection. You will almost inevitably have a point during the season where things aren't going. That will almost inevitably happen throughout the season, no matter how good you are. It's about making sure that when playoffs start, you win the last six, seven games and are going in red hot, red hot into that playoff and you time your season perfectly. I think it seems like I've that the Canadians have been able to do that. I think they have had that early crisis and they seem to get better. I think the play has looked better over the past few few weeks. So I've been impressed more and more impressed by them. So I think they will probably get third in the division and I think they will probably set up a date with um, Toronto for the division in the playoff. So you think you'll end up actually finishing in third in the division? You said or fourth? I I said third, uh, actually. Third? Okay, so yeah, then Winnipeg might end up being the team that uh, moves down a slot. I mean, I think they have a chance because they've been, like I said, impressing me. I mean, hell, uh, Jeff Petrie's one of the guys in contention for the Norris Trophy. You talked about Dowdy, some of people's minds being in that. Petrie's been one of the most underrated defensemen his entire Petrie career. Win it. And uh, yeah, now is finally getting the recognition he deserves. And then in terms of one of the most impressive performances of the season, I think would be a guy that didn't really fall out of favor, just fell out of not being needed as much anymore in a stacked defense in uh, St. Louis is Edmondson being one of the best plus-minus guys in the entire league at a plus-24, playing great defensive game and sniping a wrister the other night as well. Um, of all things. Um, yeah, uh, Edmondson uh, has really performed really well this year. So they've really got good play. Romanoff is the real deal. Um, so coming over from Russia, he's definitely the real deal. Uh, they drafted him 38th in 2018, and they knew what they were doing when they picked him. And he came over pretty quickly for them as well, only getting drafted in 2018 and already being over in the States now and kicking butt in the NHL. So, yeah, they definitely have, I think, a team that I wouldn't want to play in the playoffs. They gave the Flyers trouble last year. They showed that when they get in the playoffs, their defensive play, when defense matters the most, is obviously the postseason. It's harder to run and gun in the postseason compared to the regular season. They have that team that even if a Sharat's out, I really like Mete and his ability to play a defensive game. They have that team that can D you up, I think, the best of the Scotia North Division. That's why I would fear this team if they become that team that gets hot at the right time and can really seem like they can go on a run. Oh, yeah. Especially now with Price starting to really look more and more as time goes on, like Price with how well Jake Allen's playing. He's bringing his stats up now. If that continues, this team really is going to be a sleeper team as they continue to get better under Ducharme. Um, but do you have any closing points no. when it comes to the Montreal Canadiens, or should we move into... I've, um, go ahead. I think, again, as you said, if Price turns into Carey Price, the Montreal are a cup contender. If he stays a bit inconsistent, that could be the downfall. That's the closing remark I have to that. Yeah, yeah, I think... Um... I don't know if I would call them as bold as a cup contender. That's definitely a bold take, but I always like bold takes. So uh, I, pre- I definitely appreciate that take. But I have been impressed with them. And that would be a heck of a thing for Ducharme to pull off, getting named coach in the season if he can get them all the way to the cup, win or lose. But he's definitely looking good so far. Uh, so far, so good for him. That's for sure. Um, but now we can move into... Um, the Winnipeg Jets and uh, talking about them 
uh, real quick when I feel like the Jets, uh, this probably, yes, they have a better uh, defense, obviously, this year with people developing and um, all that over time. But this team is still really led by their first, uh, by really their offense, actually. Now, last year, in the last couple of years, it was always the first two lines. Now they made that three deep because that cop, Lowry, and Appleton line has been really producing. Um, their defense has got better with Forbert, Pionk. You got the mellow at Morrissey. But I would say you still having guys like Stanley um, playing pretty damn well, but uh, more minutes than I think they would have expected this early on. And Tucker Pullman probably playing more games than they would have expected uh, due to Belayu, uh being injured. And the fact that he hasn't been performing as well. And uh, Sam Unique, who has also only played uh, six games this year. Um, their defense is still a part that maybe they want to add something to. I still feel this team has been more laid on the back of their offense and goaltending. Lauren Perso stepped up as a backup this year. He's one of the better statistical backups. And then, obviously, Connor Hellbuck's a freaking beast. So, what do you think of the Jets? I feel like this team's uh, more so than Vancouver and Calgary is in a position with their deep lineup, three lines deep, and their goaltending even if they have some questions on defense to stay in the playoffs. But I'm not sure if you agree with that or not. What do you feel uh, as your quick uh, analysis on the Jets? The Jets live and die of Connor Hellebuck. Plain and simple, they live and die of Connor Hellebuck. He is, like, you can argue, like, oh, Vesna, well, caliber, goaltending, yada, yada, yada. You talk Vasilevsky. You can talk Mark Andre Fleury. To me, Connor Hellebuck. Like, he is such a good goalie. He has been leading the Jets, and sure, the offense has to have a pre-headed beast up front, like with the line of Ehlers, um, Dubois, and um, I think it's Hop or oh, Cal Connor. Um, you have the Shifley Wheeler line that's always going to be there with now Stasny up there. That's the scary line you mentioned, the third line as well. They have a good offense. The defense, however, is relying a lot on Pierre and Morrissey, while also having Connor Hellebuck making absolutely ridiculous save in night in, night out. He is such a good goalie, and again, he needs to stay healthy. They, I know Buffard have been good, has been good, but also very important to note: twenty-four of the games that Jets have played has been with Connor Hellebuck. Only eight has been with Bourgeois. So there is that kind of always lingering thing that if Bourgeois has to get a start, become a starter for a period of time, can he do the same thing over and over again? That becomes a less, yeah. less known entity. So for me, the Jets live and die off Conor Hellebuck, but I do think they make the fourth spot. And I do think they would be a terrible team for the Toronto Maple Leafs to face because they have three lines that can actually match their three-headed beast very well um, in terms of offensive firepower. And then it comes down to goaltending. And as we stated earlier, without Frederick Anderson being, well, the normal Frederick Anderson, Connor Hellebuck wins that goalie duel not 10 out of 10 times. Yeah, no, yeah. Connor Hellebuck, uh, I think he does done really well. I think in the eight games, I think that's just... Maurice seems like one of those coaches that just keeps running. If he has a great goal, he's going to just keep sticking with him. I feel like with how Brousseau's looked this year, he could have played more than eight games. And I feel like at a certain point, uh, if the Jets keep rolling and Logan Stanley keeps playing the way he's playing so he gives you a deeper defense, you're going to have to rest Hellbuck more. Otherwise, you're going to have him gas too much by the postseason time when you're playing the most competitive level hockey. So you're going to have to find and pick your spots here a little bit more than I think he has in the season thus far. But other than that, I think the Jets are moving um, in a good direction and have definitely been an exciting team. Mm -hmm. I agree. But um, we are, for this, we're talking about, obviously, in these segments, the top four teams that were in it, just so people know, uh, at the time of when we record in the pocket, which is on Sunday, March 21st, to come out on Monday. 
uh, March 22nd. Uh, we're already at the hour and four minute mark, so I think it would be best to do the Central Division, um, West Division, and East Division uh, in the next one along yeah. with our trade talk on the podcast we do on Tuesday. So stay tuned for the podcast we're going to record on Tuesday that's going to have our thoughts on the playoff team in the um, West, Central, and East divisions, as in this one, we gave you the starts on the top four teams of the Scotia North, as well as the news of the league in the recent trades of Jonas Johansson, um, the re-signings of Trevor Van Riemsdyk and Matt Roy. Uh, Frederick, I'll send it over for you. Is there any closing thoughts you have for this edition of the Overtime Heroics Hockey Podcast? Um, as we uh, close out the show tonight. Any uh, closing thoughts for the listeners? Well, it, thank you for listening. And um, again, it's been fun. I really enjoy this. Even though it's 2 a.m. now, 10 o'clock, I check the clock. Oh, dear. Uh, but um, no, it's, it's always fun to talk hockey. And again, I think there, it, the season's now coming into the most interesting times where we have to trade deadlines soon. We have a lot of good things to talk about. Um, and I'm excited for it. And we're excited to bring you a lot of content. So... Yeah, stay tuned and um, have a great um, evening drive wherever you listen to the podcast. Yeah, everybody have a great day. Enjoy all the great hockey action. We thank you for joining. Uh, Frederick, uh, where can they find you on Twitter real quick so they can uh, follow you for all your great articles and other info you provide on the great game of hockey? That is on um, Mr. Underscore Friends um, 2603. Oh, 03. Mr. Underscore Franz 2603, you said? Yeah. Okay. That's where you can follow Frederick. You can get me at JJBorat26 on Twitter to discuss some great hockey action. We thank you for listening to this edition of the Overtime Heroics Podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. We really appreciate your support. And check out the OvertimeHeroics.com website for all the great articles and content on all sports on there. Thank you for listening all. Enjoy all the great hockey. For Frederick, I am Joe. Have a great and blessed, pleasant week, everybody. Stay tuned for our next episode coming out on Tuesday, which will be back-to-back day episodes for you. How about that as this one comes out on Monday the 22nd? Enjoy the great action, everybody. Peace out. Hi.